Well, I'm pretty excited for this morning's study. We're going to be introduced to a gal who uh, really doesn't give up. I see a lot of people in this life just give up. This is too hard. I just ain't going to do it. I'm done. But this gal here, she would not give up, and she's rewarded for it. Let's turn to my fa- one of my favorite verses real quick before we jump into this. Hebrews chapter 11. wasn't even thinking about going here. But I want to share this with you guys. I love Hebrews 11. Hall of Faith. It's known as... A few weeks ago, we considered Abel, the mentors of old who speak to us still even though they're dead. They still speak to us through the Word. Check out chapter 11, verse 6. It says, But without faith, it's impossible to please God. So there are a whole lot of things we can do, but if we're not mixing with faith, who cares? Okay? It's the faith part that pleases God. Even if we're doing great stuff, there's no faith, it's not going to please God, for without faith, did you guys catch what he said? It's impossible to please God. But, um, it says, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So is that your desire today? Have you come seeking him? Or have you come today, well, I just want to get something personally. I want the reward part. Guys, there's just a reward because God is so good. You guys understand that? Jesus is the treasure. You cannot but be blessed and receive reward when you look to him. That's just a natural overflow. But I think a lot of times we get that backwards. We're seeking the blessing, the treasure, rather than the treasure himself being Jesus Christ. Amen? Isn't that a cool verse? You can make that one of your favorites too. You're totally welcome to do that. Circle it, highlight it, put little cute hearts next to it. So, we see here that this woman that we're going to be presented to, we're going to pick it up in Matthew 15 this morning, verse 21. Uh, The brightest jewels are often found in the darkest places, and we see this uh, with her being her case. This is the one occasion where Jesus actually ventures beyond the borders of Israel, so I think that's something that should pretty you know, excite us, like, what? Where is he going? What is he doing? What's going to happen? So let's take a look really quick at the first few verses here um, in this passage. We'll pick it up in verse 21 this morning. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from the region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and she worshipped him, saying, Lord, Help me. But he answered and said, It is not good that I take the children's bread and I throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat crumbs which fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And your daughter was healed from that very hour. 
I love this passage of scripture. I love this account being recorded and it being here for us this morning. First of all, let's get a little background. They travel to Tyre, Sidon. That's the region of Phoenicia, modern uh, Lebanon today. Uh, there were two coastal towns there on the Mediterranean, um, Capernaum being one of them. Uh, the descendants of the Canaanites, have you guys heard about them? The Canaanites, yeah, Old Testament, they're all over. Uh, who no longer exist today. Guys, you think that's kind of cool? They're no longer there as a distinct people. You guys know how phenomenal I'm totally sidetracking already this morning. But Israel, he came to his own, right? But here he went to these Gentile people. Isn't it cool that the Jewish people are still around? Yeah! Okay? We don't see Canaanites around anymore. We read of all these other people groups. Where are they? What happened? Okay, well, God promised this is going to be my people. I'm going to make a covenant with you forever. Okay, we're going to Israel in a year from now. I'm pretty stoked to do that. And guess what? There's a bunch of Jewish people there in their homeland. Okay, Jerusalem, the capital is there. It is thriving, just like God said would happen in the last days, even though his people would be dispersed. Okay, there's never been a people group that made it more than three generations that came back together as a people. Never in the history of man. Okay, Israel, 2,000 years, dispersed, no homeland. And just like God promised, brought them back together. That's a miracle in itself. Sorry, total side note, but I totally get stoked about that. So, back to this, okay. They go, um, they're traveling here, they're going uh, clockwise into this Gentile country. They're going to come back around. But I want you guys to picture this woman as this bright jewel found in this dark place here. And one thing I love about faith, faith speaks, Right? Faith speaks. If you've been born again in the Spirit of God, how can you not tell other people about Jesus? The kids are starting their new quarter, and their verse this next uh, quarter is going to be John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay? When you come to know Christ personally, you're like, hey, I know that to be true. Jesus really is God, the Savior, the only Savior of the world. He is the only way to get into heaven and then you start scratching your head and you start losing a bunch of hair because you're like okay what about all these other faiths of the world if jesus says and lays claim that he's the only way and there is no other way what about all these other people who don't believe in jesus or reject jesus completely what about them when you begin to look into the claims it becomes really clear very quickly like wow this is all based on self it is only God alone who is Savior. And that's what's unique about the Bible. It's the Bible, biblical Christianity, our salvation is found in God. He alone saves. Every other religion in the world says you can save yourself. So when he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, this is it. He's not joking. And there can only be one truth. Do you absolutely believe that? I do. Some people don't. Well, that can be true, but this can be true too. And then you lose more hair. But anyways... Um, faith speaks. Look at verse 22. I love this because it tells us this woman, Behold, a woman of Canaan came uh, from that region and cried out, saying to him, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered not a word. Okay, she comes. Okay, I have faith that you are able to heal my daughter. How many of your parents, if you saw your child ill, severely ill, severely demon possessed is that even possible pastor for a child to be possessed let me tell you another story real quick um 
20 years ago, I'm 20 years old at the time, I'm 41 now, um, I took this class, it took about six months at my church because I wanted to be a counselor. I wanted to be a Bible counselor and share with others from the Word of God the answers to life. This is how you can be set free. If you know the truth, you should be set free, right? Well, I took the classes. I'm now a lay counselor for our church. I'm like, yeah! And they assigned me to a six-year-old Brandon. Little Brandon. No dad. Knew mom a little bit from church. Didn't really know Brandon at all. But he was my first counselee. I'm like, this is going to be so awesome. I had this big brother mentality. I'm like, yeah, I'm 20 years old. I'm cool. He's going to love me. We can go to McDonald's together and have fun. Anyways, I show up at the house, and Brandon runs into his room, slams the door and locks it. Mom's like, I'm sorry. He's never done this before. I don't know what's going on. Well, she figured out a way to open up the door, and he's under the bed convulsing like crazy. Mom trips out. Like, what is going on? What is happening right now? The kid flips the bed on its side and jumps into his closet, and he was growling like crazy. I'm like, what is this? I'm, uh, this is my first counseling? This, is this normal? Like, <laughs> is this what I'm supposed to expect going on? You know, and at the time, I hadn't encountered, you know, people who had been demon-possessed. I'm like, what is going on? And obviously, this young child six years old was possessed by a demon mom is totally freaking out she's calling the cops i'm calling the pastor of the church i'm like hey, i don't know what's going on but this kid you wanted me to see something's not right him and his wife and a couple other came over from the church and cast the demon out of this child little six-year-old boy just paralyzed on the floor throwing blasphemies to god things a six-year-old couldn't even know and understand Mom had never seen anything like that, even close to that, come out of her son before. Well, what was it? It was a child that was severely demon-possessed. That's what it was. So think about that if you want to get involved in counseling ministry. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> doesn't happen too often. Um, but the thing that's neat here is her faith. Do you guys see that? what comes forward? I have this child who's severely demon-possessed, and I know you, Jesus, I know you. I have faith that you can heal my daughter. I know you being a Jewish man, want nothing to do with us Gentiles, especially me being a woman. But you see faith speaking here, guys? Faith speaks up. Faith is willing to go and to do. And then if you look at verse 23, this might bristle you a little bit with the way that Jesus treats her. Check it out. He answered and said, not a word to her. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. Okay? Um, and if this does bristle you, let it. I love this. You see, guys, what first appears to be rudeness in this account, let's remember that his delays are not his denials. Let me say that again. His delays are not his denials. God had a purpose in this. How many of you guys like the silent treatment? No. All your wives are like, oh! Uh. 
That's just us guys. Anyways, silent treatment stinks. But verse 23 says, but he answered her not a word. So her faith pushes on despite his closed ear and his closed mouth. Now, contrast that with individuals today who say, unless I hear from God, I'm not going to believe. Have you ever had anybody say that to you? I need a, you know, like a personal sign. I need to hear God speak to me himself. How many guys have heard God speak to you audibly? Yo! A few of you guys. I want to hear, hear those stories. Anyways, um, it doesn't happen too often where God just says, Hey, Bob, unreal, over here. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't happen that way usually. Okay, for some people it does. Most of the time not, but that's where faith comes in. Now I want us to contrast this with people that we know that are like that to her because she shows an incredible faith, doesn't she? Kind of reminds me of Job. How many of you guys have read the book of Job? Phenomenal, right? A man of faith despite some super hard circumstances. He still believed. She had this Job-like faith which didn't just say, though he smite me, but instead, though he slay me, yet I will trust him. That's the type of faith this Gentile woman had. Okay? In the the snubbing treatment, look at verse 23. What do the boys say? Send her away! She cries out after us. Her noise, it's annoying us. Send her away, Jesus. We don't want to hear this. Well, she had many strikes against her. First of all, her nationality was against her. She was a woman that was uh, in a dominated world of men. Okay, uh, Satan was against her. First uh, of his demons took control, or one of his demons took control of her daughter. Uh, fourth thing I see here, the disciples were against her. And then for a long time, it even looks like Jesus was against her. So great persistence. What if Joshua gave up after the sixth lap? What would have happened, guys? What's Jericho? <laughs> right? We wouldn't have no idea. We would not know. What if Naaman didn't go down for the seventh dip? What if a man at night that needed bread stopped knocking? What if the woman quit pestering that unjust judge? Do you guys see that faith is persistent? It will speak. It keeps going on. Someone said triumph is just oomph added to try. I like that. Try. I know so many people that aren't even willing to step out in faith. I can't do that. It doesn't make sense. If I try that, this might happen or it ain't going to happen at all. You don't know unless you try, right? So just put a little oomph in it. You'll be good to go. Samuel Rutherford, uh, he was a saintly Scottish minister who suffered greatly uh, for Christ. He once wrote his friend, and he said this to his friend, it is faith's work to calm, or sorry, to claim and challenge loving kindness out of all the roughest strokes of God. You see, guys, that's what this woman did here. I think she's a great example for you and I. And these guys, I don't know, you guys ever read some of the stuff the disciples did or said, and you're just like losing more hair? You ever do that? <laughs> Send her away, she cries out after us. Really? Us? No, who was, he, who was she crying after? Jesus. It wasn't them. 
What are they thinking? Okay, it was their master. So men shouldn't treat a lady this way. Do you guys know that, men? Don't do it. Disciples should not treat a seeker this way, and Christians shouldn't treat anybody this way. So they tried to chase away this she-dog with rocks and sticks, but she wouldn't leave. And then we see the select treatment take place in verse 24. I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So this must have felt like an elephant sitting on her heart, right? She could have, she could have said, well then, uh, he, he's not here for me. <laughs> nope, that's not the case. Look at verse 25. And then she came and she worshipped. That's what she chose to do instead. Well, I guess God's not there for me. I'm out. No! Despite it, I'm still going to worship. Isn't that so cool? What an example this woman is for you and I. She came and she worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. So press through all obstacles and throw yourself at his feet, knowing that the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Is that a promise? What? Yeah. God will cast no one out, okay, if you come to him. And she was coming. And how was she coming? She was coming by faith, guys. So Jesus was creating an opportunity for this complete activity of her faith. That's what I see going on in this story. You might be going through it right now. You may be feeling like, God, why aren't you answering? Why are you giving me the silent treatment right now? God might just be allowing an opportunity for your faith to be played out that your faith can grow. You understand that? And that he be glorified. He allows that. But faith also acknowledges, look at verse 25 with me. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good that the children's bread be, or, or sorry, take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even little dogs eat crumbs which fall from their master's table. Did you underline her response there? Yes, Lord. I don't like what you're saying. What, is, what does her faith have to say? Yes, Lord. She doesn't dispute that Gentiles were, Israel, were uh, to Israel dogs, but just says, yes, Lord. But she wasn't coming to him on the goodness of her cause, but what she, she was coming on what? The goodness of who he was, of his heart. Do you guys see that? Not on what she, you know, what she was presenting, the plea that she had, but instead on the excellence of his power. So it is our task to simply be empty and he can fill us. It's our task to confess our filthiness so he can wash us. It's our task to be less than nothing so he can be more than everything to us. You're a dog. Yes, Lord, but I will wag my tail, fetch, sit up, and even beg for my master. You're a sheep. Yes, Lord, but sheep need a shepherd. Faith agrees, guys. You see, faith pleads but never disputes. Note here, she never says, but, or if, not even yet. You see the yet in verse 27? It's not there in the original manuscript. Just cross it out. It's not there. 
See, faith, guys, in God implies agreement with God in what he says. So are you comparable to a little dog? Truth, Lord. I can't feed the little dogs before the children. Truth, Lord. That wouldn't be right. It's not your time yet. Yes, Lord. First the children at mealtime, but the dogs right after dinner, right? (laughs) I love her faith here. See, God's word is sometimes like salve to a wound, and it's other times like a knife that cuts or like a sword that'll slay. And don't fight against it. Just say truth, Lord. Some of you guys don't like what's going on in this account. You don't like how Jesus is responding. Say, okay, Lord. Still going to trust you, Lord. You see, faith argues, but it's not argumentative. Let me say that again. Faith argues, but it's not argumentative. You see here, arguments were correct, strictly logical, and thorough. The best way to reason with a man is to take his own statements and argue upon them. So she is very bold here. You guys recall Jacob? Remember, he was the one who wrestled with God? Really? And prevailed? What? I see her as having that same kind of faith here. She's wrestling with God, right? So um, the angel said to Jacob, let me go and for uh, the day breaks. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And that's the same thing she's doing here. My daughter's severely demon-possessed. I have faith that you can heal her. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to argue, not arguments, but I'm going to argue in faith here. See, the position that we also see here in verse 27, she says, yeah, I know. (laughs) A dog I am. But you have come all the way here to Sidon. You have come here. I'm not like a scavenger dog out on the street. I'm a little puppy under the table awaiting some Christ crumbs. That's all she was waiting for. And then it speaks to the relationship. Did you guys also catch that? Do you see the relationship here that she's speaking to? Okay. Their master's table. Okay. She understood. You're the master. (laughs) I might be a dog, but I'm at your table. See, she could not call him father. She could not claim to have the privilege as a child. But she could call him master. And masters, they feed their dogs, at least crumbs, right? So the woman, being a Gentile, had no covenant right to come to Jesus to call him uh, the son of David. She had no right in doing so. But then we see, we see that back in verse 22. But if you guys catch here, she could call him Lord and have her prayer answered. Pretty cool, huh? So Jesus was not rude to her. I don't want you guys to miss this at all jesus was not rude to her he was only testing and strengthening her faith it's kind of like the prodigal son that came back content with just being you know one of his father's hired you know hands right i'm just here (laughs) i'm just gonna serve i'm gonna work i'm gonna do she spied out the dog's relation to the to its master and made the most of it so she's not only Uh, the only one that we know of that ever answered Jesus with many parables back with many parables. You guys catch what's going on here? 
little mini parable. She answers the mini parable. He answers back. It's kind of cool. So children, verse 26. You guys know that in the East, as a rule, dogs are not allowed indoors. That's just something that doesn't go on. Uh, they are foul creatures that roam about uncared for and half wild. Um, when I was in Athens, I had a, a pack about 30 dogs following me around the city. Okay? I thought it was the coolest thing ever. You guys know why they were following me? I was taking some snacks out of my backpack. <laughs> Fed one. Pretty soon there was 30. You know? Pretty soon I didn't have any snacks left. You know? <laughs> and once they were gone, they were still following me around. So adults. They wouldn't associate with these dogs at all, but the children, they knew nothing of this. Okay, have you guys ever seen dogs with kids? They're best friends. They just love each other. They don't care what adults think. So they would take them to join in with them in their sports, their games, and ultimately invited them into the house, sit here under the table while we eat. And uh, probably for a kid, it's just an excellent way to get rid of Brussels sprouts or whatever. But anyways... They're there, so the kids, for the kids' sake, parents would often allow them to have these dogs come in and sit under the table. Now, in verse 27, could someone grab my black water bottle right there? Thank you, brother. All this talking about a dinner table is making me thirsty. All right. So again, also in verse 27, we see the consent here. So it is sure to get a crumb from one of its playmates, okay? That's what he's thinking here. See, the children of Israel have this full per, uh, portion in you. She understood that. She understood that Jesus was the Messiah, the son of David. In your presence, okay, Israel, they've been blessed. You came to her, okay? They've been given your word. They sit at your feet. They've obtained all sorts of spiritual blessings. And I'm sure they can't begrudge my daughter to be free from this demon, for that would only be a crumb compared to all the blessings that they have been given. That's just a crumb compared to what you have. Do you guys see what she's saying here? She's acknowledging this. She's acknowledging for you to do this for my daughter. That's nothing. That's a little bitty thing. You see, there's an abundance that is spoken of here. So we're not talking, uh, you know, a poor man's table who can't afford to lose a crumb, but we're talking about a king's table that they got so much food, they don't even, they're not able to count it all. It's just abundance. So if a man gives a dog a crumb, he has nonetheless. You see, if Jesus gives his mercy, the greatest of sinners even, he has nonetheless. You guys understand that he is merciful he abounds in mercy guys and that's what we cry out for don't we Lord, have mercy on me a sinner okay that's the heart that we need to have before god a lot of people come to jesus for all the benefits i mean you've missed it that isn't the gospel that's not why jesus came to save sinners he came to save us because we're sinners <laughs> and we cry out as such Lord, I see who I am. I know the consequences of my sin. I know that I'm at war with you. It's brought separation from you. Please have mercy on me. So since the beginning, guys, it has always been God's plan that through the children of Israel, 
that the puppies, Gentiles, should get bread. And Jesus ended up not giving her crumbs, but the children's bread. And faith wins, right guys? And write that next to verse 28 if you want. Faith wins. Oh woman, great is your faith. Isn't this so cool? Okay, one second. We're just like, Jesus, are you really being rude like that? You're, you're Jesus. You're not allowed to do that. And then the next thing, he's praising her. Great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. Wow. Is persistence a good thing, guys? Absolutely. So not that she earned Christ's ear or earned his healing power, but her persistence was only a demonstration that she had faith. And that's why people of faith persist. We will finish well. We will finish that race to the end. You guys ever hear that term thrown out there? The persistence of the believer, the Christian, right? Why? Because we believe. We're born again. I can't walk away from the Lord. Some of you guys, well, I can show you scriptures otherwise. I know him. I can't say that Jesus is not God, the Savior of the world, that he died on a cross and rose again. I know him. That would just be complete foolishness. And I have to ask the people who do walk away from Jesus, did they ever know him? If they really knew God, how could they then say he's not God? That just doesn't make any sense. That might just be me. I'm not trying to be prideful saying I will never. But the reality, you guys know what I'm talking about. If you're really born again, if you really know Jesus, how could you ever deny him? It can't happen, guys. You're his kid. You might be a naughty kid who gives your daddy the tall finger. I heard that from Tim Hawkins last night. But the reality is, if one of my kids did that, would I stop loving them? Would they stop being my child? No way. We can be horrible to our Heavenly Father. But if He is your Heavenly Father, He loves you, and He loves you enough to spank your butt. You guys know that? That's what the Bible says. He will chasten those whom He loves. And if you're His kid, He loves you. He loves you enough to speak the truth to you. That's what I love about the Scriptures. That's what I love about this woman here. Her persistence, this faith that she has, the faith that wins here. So what a great lesson, I think, here um, to every mother. Let me encourage you sisters for a second, okay? You may plead for your daughters and your sons until you hear. Keep praying. Keep praying for your kids until you hear, oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. Prayer is huge, guys. Prayer is huge. Prayer is huge. Hear that, church. Prayer is huge. Prayer changes things. God hears. Prayer is huge. I heard you say that a few times, Pastor. Prayer is huge. Guys, get that, church. Why, am I, why do I keep saying it? Because the church doesn't pray. If we all showed up to pray then I would have to say it over. But prayer is huge. Changes things. Pray, guys. Pray. So even a mother bird, afraid of human footsteps, will remain upon its nest when its intruder comes. So parents, be encouraged to pray for your children, no matter how old they are. If you haven't even had kids yet, start praying for the kids you will have 
Why? Because prayer is huge, okay? Huge. Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice for freedom, right? Spiritual freedom. Huge. In this case, guys, the little girl's freedom from severe demonic powers, maybe in your case, maybe today, you need the ultimate sacrifice for freedom, which is freedom from your sins. And only Christ can give you that freedom. Because let me tell you what, there's nothing that can atone for your sins. There's no amount of money you can give. There's no amount of good that can make up for your sin. Because your sin's still there. And the best we can do is filthy rags to the Lord. That's why Jesus had to do what he did, became a perfect sacrifice, laid down his own life in place of us. 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 5.21 is a great reference to that. So either you are his or you ain't his. Well, ain't ain't a word, pastor, but you guys know what I'm saying, right? Either you are or you ain't. There's no middle ground. You're either a child of God, you're born again, you're going to heaven, or you're not. You're in disobedience, you're a son of Satan, you're going to hell. That's what the Bible lays out, and some people don't like hearing that. But that's the truth. There's a lot of people in the church today that think that they're going to go to heaven. For some reason in my studies this week, passages of scriptures kept coming up declaring that a lot of people think they're Christians and they're really not. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not done this and that and blah, 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 blah. And Jesus is going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. God says many think they're Christians. The only thing that matters, guys, is do you know God? Do you have a relationship with him? It's not going to make you perfect, but you'll have the Holy Spirit and things will start to change in your life. You'll start sanctifying. So you are or you ain't. Let's move on. Verse 29. Healing of a multitude here. Jesus departed from there, skirted the Sea of Galilee, and he went up on the mountain, and he sat down there, and a great multitude came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others. And they laid them down at Jesus' feet and healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, and the lame walking and the blind seeing. And they glorified the God of Israel. It's cool to see a miracle happen. It's cool to see healings. It's cool to worship the Lord. Okay? I wish we saw more of this stuff today. Why isn't it happening? Well, we don't pray. Prayer is huge. Does God always heal? No. Does he heal? Sometimes. So why not ask? right ask in faith and you see jesus he's traveling around the sea of galilee here people are coming people are being healed in verse 29 this was the decapolis there were 10 cities during this time that were authorized by the romans to make their own money they had their own courts they had their own armies predominantly gentile territory here and then verse 30 he didn't go to the Gentiles, but they came to him. Did you guys catch that? They came to him, and he is no wise casted them out. They came to him. Let's turn to Isaiah 55 for a second. Old Testament, love this 
chapter of Scripture. Starts off with the word, ho! How can that be a cool chapter, right? All you who hunger and thirst, come to me, he says. Isaiah 55. There we go. Jump down. We're going to look at uh, verse 6. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, or forsake his way and the righteous man his thoughts. So it's one of those things in Scripture we're commanded to seek the Lord. Seek him while he may be found. How many of you guys have had seasons in life where it's just been very easy to seek the Lord? For some reason, your heart was just in a sweet spot. All you wanted to do was get closer to him, know more of him, read the Bible, be talking to him. You're always in prayer. Okay? How many of you guys have gone through seasons where things got a little numb? <laughs> Why ain't I seeking like I used to? What's going on? We go through seasons, guys. And let me tell you what, there are going to be seasons, and I believe there's a season for everybody in this life where the Lord is near. I believe that with all my heart. Why? Because I've read John chapter 16. The work of the Holy Spirit today is to convict or convince the world, every single human being, of sin, of judgment, of righteousness. That's what he's doing. The Lord is near, but there are many that, hmm, I don't like this because I like being my own God. I like my own beliefs. I have my idols over here. I don't want what you're laying down. You're wanting me to turn to you? To live for you? Uh-uh. And they harden their heart. They push them away. Again, God's not going to force himself upon anybody. Okay? He's a gentleman. He will not do that. But we are to seek him. Turn to Jeremiah real quick. Next prophet over. Chapter 29. He's like, oh. Is he going to bring up verse 11? No, I'm not. It's not even highlighted in my Bible. You guys can check it out later. I like it. It's a good verse. But I like the verse right after verse 11 more. Verse 12 of Jeremiah 29, Then you will call upon me, and you will go, and you will pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. You're going to find me. I love that promise. When you seek for me with all of your heart, you're going to find, great God, you may have a future and a hope for me. That's great. Whoop-dee-doo. Because if it doesn't include you, I want nothing. No, I don't care what my future holds. If you're not in it, I want you. And let me tell you, when you do seek him with all your heart, you're going to find him. And that's when your future does become good, bright. Amen? So anyways, you see the promise, though, that he gave. When you seek me with all of your heart. Anybody that's not saved, one thing I know, you have not sought God with all your heart. A lot of people who like to talk religion with me, it's often to debate or their excuses for not wanting to come to faith in Christ. And I have to ask, are you really seeking or are you just trying to find ways not to submit to your Maker? to continue to live on in your sin, to think your opinions trump what God has declared to be true. Sorry, a little sidetrack. But when you seek God, <laughs> there has to be a humility mixed in that, isn't there? Well, great pastor, these were two prophets to Israel. We're Gentiles. 
Aren't we studying Matthew? Aren't Gentiles on the outs? Aren't they referred to as dogs? What about them? I mentioned Athens before. Let's go to Acts chapter 17. The Apostle Paul, being a Jew, was commissioned by God to be an apostle to the Gentiles, right? And he went to Athens. Not a whole lot of Jewish people there. A lot of Gentiles worshiping a lot of different gods. So what does he say to the Gentiles? Great, my people can seek. Israel, the Jews, they're allowed to seek, but what about these Gentiles? Well, check out chapter 17 here. Um, Jump down to verse 27. 26 for context. Heck, 22 for big context. I love this passage. Take a look here. Acts 17, 22. Then Paul, he stood in the midst of the Apocabus, and he said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all the things uh, that you are very religious. For I was passing through, and I was considering the objects of your worship. I even found an altar which has this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you, God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and of earth, he does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with man's, men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. Now catch it, guys. And he has made from one blood, one blood, okay? Every nation, not just the Jewish people, every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. And he has determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries and other dwellings. And the verse 27 says, so that they should seek the Lord. And in the hope they might grope for him and find him though he is far, or he's not far from each one of us isn't that cool every nation upon the earth should seek the lord it's so cool i love reading on missions i love hearing stories of missionaries who've gone to africa because they wanted to share with people who've never even heard the name jesus before And they show up to a tribe of people who are already worshiping God Almighty, the Creator. How did that happen? Well, those people began to seek the unknown God is what they did. They stopped worshiping the creation and started worshiping the Creator. Okay? And if you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. Okay? Does God need a white person with a book to show up? (laughs) No, it's a good thing to do. We should be going forth with the gospel. But God is big, guys. And he will. And why does he send those missionaries? Why did that brother show up that day and they were all super stoked? God promised us that a white man with a book of golden pages would come to us and tell us all things. You're the man. How cool. He's just a guy just being obedient to God. But I believe if someone's seeking, God will meet that person. He will bring another Christian into their life. Or even these imams. Do you guys know a bunch of Muslims are getting saved like crazy? There's a revival going on in the Middle East. Okay, These people that don't even know about Jesus 
These imams are getting saved. Angels are appearing to them and preaching the gospel. Pretty cool. I got a friend, Rhonda, who married a guy. Okay? He was a Christian for seven years. An angel came and shared the gospel with him seven years before he ever even met another Christian. Think about that, guys. Crazy stuff happening. But the thing is, God will reveal himself to those who seek him. He's promised to do that. I love James 4.8. You can jot it down. Okay? Um, it's the one that says, if we stand firm, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And then the promise is, if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. Do you guys love that promise there in James 4? I love it. That's a promise. If you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. Some of you guys might come to church and you're like, whoa, why is everybody connecting with God? They're really loving the Lord here. I don't sense his presence. I don't have that same thing happening. What's going on? Well, they came to draw near to God. Why did you come here? Okay? You don't need to be at a building to draw near to God. Do you guys know that? You do it in the middle of the night when you've got a pinched nerve and you can't sleep. Lord, help! I need you. And he's there. He's good. All right, we've got to move on and finish study. You guys like to talk too much. All right, let's finish up this chapter. Look at verse 32. The feeding of the 4,000. That's right. You guys read your Bibles. I love it. Now Jesus called his disciples to himself and said, I have compassion on the multitude. Don't you guys love that? Because they have now continued with us for three days and they have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry lest they faint on their way. And the disciples said to him, where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to fill such a great multitude? And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven, and a few little fish. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves and the fish and gave thanks, broke them and gave them to his disciples. And the disciples gave it to the multitude. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up seven large baskets full of fragments that were left. Now, those who ate were 4,000 men besides the women and children. And he sent, uh, sent away the multitude, got into the boat, and he came uh, to the region of Magdala. Now, when you're faced with a crisis in life, guys, take time to review past miracles and remind yourself that he does not change. Okay? We need to remind ourselves I can tell you guys, God has been faithful in my life 100% of the time. Has my life been easy? No. Has your life been easy? Probably not. Has God always been faithful? Yeah. Hindsight's beautiful. Ha! I'm going through this thing really hard right now. I don't think it's going to work out. It's the end. I'm ruined. I ain't going to make it through this. But if you take a moment to pause, wait a minute. God, you've always been faithful before. You've always saw me through you've been there you did why would you change now god doesn't change he's faithful guys ken geyer said this miracles are the common currency of heaven the feeding of the four thousand was just a little loose change spilling from a hole in its pocket i like that 
Because we look at this like, wow, this ain't just a miracle. This is like a big miracle. You know, feeding 4,000 men plus their wives and kids. This is crazy. Look at verse 33. The disciples said to him, where could we get enough bread in the wilderness to, uh, to fill such a great multitude <laughs> where <laughs> had they forgotten about the feeding of the 5,000 just a few chapters earlier did you guys forget what Jesus already did why are you asking where Jesus is the one who's able to do it and I love that where we as his disciples should be able to say well I know <laughs> you know we do um, hasn't God taken care of that $200 bill that you couldn't cover and yet we get anxious when the $100 one shows up. Oh, we're going to pay this. We do stuff like that all the time, guys. One more passage of Scripture. Second Peter, towards the end of your Bibles. I know we got quite a few visitors this morning. We're not a wealth and health and blah, blah, blah church. That's a false gospel. We will go through things. Okay, We just can't blab something and then grab it. You know, I claim in the name of Jesus a brand new truck. I had a guy tell me that once. He drove a caddy. So you just need to claim it. You can have a nice vehicle. Well, in the name of Jesus, brother, I claim that black caddy right out front. Isn't that yours? I just claimed it in the name of Jesus. Give me your keys. You just told me that's all I got to do. You think you gave me the keys? <laughs> liar, liar, pants on fire. All right. Do you remember Charles, Mom? Yeah. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah. Oh, let me tell you about Charles real quick. <laughs> one of Benny Hinn's boys. I was working at the pet shop with my mom. My grandfather passed away and my mom called me. Hey, quit your job. You're working at the pet store. So worked at the pet shop and this guy Charles came in and he was going to set the Fox Valley on fire for Jesus. Okay, he was going to remember that? He was going to have a revival here. Um, it was really cool. He didn't know nothing about me. We were back uh, in the back part of the pet shop where all the fish were, the fish tanks. Um, and we're back there and we're having a conversation about the Lord. And he felt the Holy Spirit move and he had to pray over me because God had a huge anointing upon my life that I was going to leave many to Christ. Like, he didn't know anything about me. We were just talking about Jesus a little bit. He's praying. I'm like, this is really weird because these things are in my heart, but how in the heck does he know these things, you know? So I'm kind of scratching my head, starting to lose more hair because of it, you know? But he kept coming in and out of the store. I don't know if you remember this, but he came in uh, weeks later proclaiming, there's not one single Christian in all of Fox Valley. I'm the only one that's saved and no blah, 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 blah. He was just going off. I'm like, wait, 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 wait a minute. Didn't you just pray that God was going to use me as his kid to do all this stuff in the valley and lead many others? It's like, you're nuts. Anyways, he was nuts. That's, oh, did you want more? He was fleecing people, getting people to buy him big fish tanks and stuff. Not cool. See, right there, warning. <laughs> Watch out for those type of guys. Uh, I told you to open up to 2 Peter, 1 Peter. All right, 2 Peter. Let's look at chapter 2, or actually chapter 1. There it is. Verse 5. 
But also, for this reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance. To perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For these things are yours and abound, and you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and your election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And for this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things although you know and are established in the present truth so paul writes i love this passage of scripture these are things that we should hold to as believers but he says i write this to remind you you already know them but we as human beings are quick to forget things aren't we absolutely repetition is the mother of all learning and that's why we need to be in the Bible each and every day. Already studied that book. Are you really at church just going through the Bible verse by verse? You just study the book of Matthew. I already read the Gospel of Matthew. I'm going to go over here because they're going to preach about finances and help me get rich. It happens, guys. You see, guys, the Word of God is something that we need to live on. It is bread for us to eat. We need it daily. I love verse 9 here. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even blind. We often forget. And this is why we need to be renewing our minds by the Word of God. Romans 12, 2. We've got to be in the Word. God, you're still the same. You haven't changed. You're still faith. I don't know how my thinking got jacked up. Okay? been watching Netflix too much maybe because <laughs> I'm starting to buy into the lies of this world, what they're telling me, you know, but this is what you say and you're right. That's why we have to remind ourselves and repetition is a good thing. Well, can I trust the Word of God, Pastor? I can't believe you're sharing this good news with me. You're saying I have to put my faith in Christ and He'll just give me eternal life freely as a gift? Oh, I don't know about that. There's a lot of contradictions in this book. Don't you know that, Pastor? Have you ever had anybody tell you that? Can't believe it. It's full of contradictions. I love people that tell me the Bible's full of contradictions. You know, first thing I do is, <laughs> show me one, please. Show me one. Every once in a great while you get somebody, oh, look at this one. Well, look at this. This book that you're even teaching at church right now. Is it 5,000 or 4,000? That's a contradiction. I've had someone tell me that. That's a contradiction. Is it five or four? What's going on? The Bible's full of contradictions. I thought he was feeding 5,000, not 4,000. What's going on here this morning? Is this a contradiction, Pastor? Guys, this is simply two different events. And a lot of the contradictions, people love pulling stuff out of Chronicles. You know, we can read Samuel's account. And you just read context. First thing you guys do when someone says a contradiction, step back, read the whole chapter or the chapter before, 
And 95% of the time, just the context is going to explain that supposed contradiction, and it totally makes sense. So, there's two different events happening here. I found eight differences. You guys can study it out a little more. The feeding of 5,000 took place on the western shore of Galilee, and this was on the eastern shore, right there alone. Okay, two separate places, two separate events. Also, the feeding of 5,000, that involved probably primarily the Jewish people. Here, it was primarily Gentiles. Also, we see the feeding of the 5,000 involved how many loaves? Five and two fish. Here, we see the 4,000 had seven loaves and a few fish. Feeding the 5,000, okay, people had been with them one day, okay? These have been with them three days with the feeding of the 4,000. And then, if you geek out a little bit on Scripture, you'll like this one. The 5,000, you guys remember they took up 12 baskets, right? Little baskets. Check out the original Greek. It's so cool. Little fragments left over. The kafnasis is the word, small wicker baskets. And then the feeding of the 4,000, they took up seven large baskets of fragments that were left over. The Greek word is spuros, okay? Large hamper. You guys remember in Acts chapter 9 where Paul gets saved, rode to Damascus? Okay, Saul, the one who was going out to kill all these Jews who were coming to faith in Christ, gets radically knocked off his horse and gets saved, right? His eyes are opened, and then he goes and he preaches Christ right there in the synagogue, and then the Jews wanted to kill him because now he's a Christian. You guys remember when they had to lower him out of Jerusalem in a basket? Or sorry, that was in Damascus there? Okay, that's the same word, large basket. Sorry, I geek over those kind of cool little things. But uh, there's, there's different things here. The amount of crowds, we have difference, five and 4,000. So lastly, Jesus says that it's two different events, okay? Um, do I want to believe this person who can't even show me in the Bible, who just knows there's contradictions but can't show me, well, am I going to believe him? Or would I believe what Jesus said about this? Let's turn to John's Gospel real quick. John chapter 6. John 6. Oh, we're going there in a second. Keep your finger there. Flip back to Matthew 16. Next chapter. That's where Jesus explains it. But we'll be to Ma- or John 6 in a second. Back to Matthew. I think it's in chapter 16 here. It is. Chapter 16, look at verses 9 and 10. It says, Do you not yet understand, this is Jesus speaking, remember the five loaves and the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? And then verse 10 says, Nor the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up. So Jesus is even speaking to this as two separate accounts very clearly. Anyways, let's flip over to John 6. Ah, uh, do you guys think Jesus was a good preacher? Yeah, there's so many times. I, I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if there's going to be a whole lot of preaching in heaven. I think we're just going to be in awe, like, oh, uh, <laughs> you don't have to say a word, oh, uh, you know. <laughs> um, but these guys followed him for three days here. Okay, he had to be a pretty awesome preacher. Some of you guys are just like, whoa, it's after 11, and, and I want to leave because the preaching's not that good. I, I'm out of here. I can't. <laughs> what, if he, what if he goes 
30 minutes after. Three days, guys. Think about that. So why is he doing this miracle? Okay, different crowd, the Gentiles. Well, it tells us here he's having compassion on them. So does yesterday's miracle necessarily guarantee today's faith? No, we're quick to forget, aren't we, guys? We're quick to forget. And as they say, repetition is the mother of all miracle, or I mean, all learning, right? So here's another miracle. Why is he doing this again? Well, he wants his disciples, you and I, to understand that he is the bread of life. He wants us to grasp that reality. So taking a look together here in John's Gospel, we'll wrap up with this. In chapter 6, jump all the way down to verse 48. Jesus says, yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors, they ate the manna in the wilderness, but they all died. And anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I will offer so the world may live is my flesh. So Jesus is pretty much just laying it down pretty clear. He's laying down his credentials for you and I. He explains my father's prophecy to Moses all the way back in Exodus 16, verse 4. Behold, I will rain bread down from heaven, manna, me, Jesus, okay? It explains my birthplace. You guys know what Bethlehem means? He was born in Bethlehem, prophesied, right? What does it mean? House of bread, Bethlehem, right? It explains my person. I am the bread of life. It explains my power, the miraculous multiplication shouted uh, his power right also it explains my suffering the bread that i shall give you is my flesh in which i shall give for my life for the world so he wants his disciples he wants you this morning brother and sister he wants me to understand this that he's not just bread for the jews but also for the gentiles that's our god god so loved the world that he gave he wants the disciples and you and I to understand that he is, he, his supply always meets and exceeds the demand. So our souls are kind of elastic, okay? Um, I like to eat. I don't know if you guys can tell or not. I like to eat. But the more I eat, the more I expand, the more I expand, guess what? The more I want to eat. And I believe that's the same with our soul. You guys ever ask God to stir up a hunger within you for him, more of him, to be in his word? Because some of you guys choke out. He's just like, all right, <laughs> read for two minutes today. I've had my fill. You know, some of you guys would starve to death then too. But the word of God, it is good for our souls, brothers and sisters. We need him and we need to be growing. We need to be getting bigger, okay? Um, he wants us to be healthy. Christ did not break the bread so that suddenly there was huge piles of bread and fish. Rather, he kept breaking it and handing it out, okay, as needed, a little bit by little bit by little bit. Okay, we need it daily, our daily bread, correct? So if you're the Christian who hears this morning, I might come back next week to hear a little bit more of the Word of God. You're starving. <laughs> you can't go a week, guys. You can't just take a little bit for an hour on a Sunday. You need it daily. We need to be constantly bringing our needs 
to Jesus, and he will constantly break the bread and give us what we need. So whatever God has given us, there's still more for him to give us. Do you guys know that? He's blessed us. You guys, we don't need to turn there. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You guys know that verse? Every spiritual blessing he's given to us. He's promised to provide and take care of us. We've went through the Sermon on the Mount. We got that. We can hold to that. He is faithful to those things. But there's spiritual things being spiritually born again that we have as believers. The one thing the Jews really blew when they entered into the promised land, God promised them promised land, right? You guys read the same book I read, right? Huge area. Boundaries were laid out. Enter in. Take. It's yours. Be blessed with this land that's flowing with milk and honey. They entered in. You guys know how much Israel took? A little chunk of what God gave them. I think we as Christians often do the same thing. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing and we only partake of a little bit. I think a part of it is because we haven't learned how to receive well. We need to be receiving daily, consistently, coming before him. Kind of like this woman that we met this morning. Lord, help. That should be a daily cry of ours. Lord, help. Lord, help. Why don't we see the multitudes being healed like we read about this morning? Lord, where's the bottle of pills? I have a headache. You know how many of us are willing to swallow a Tylenol before we actually pray for God to heal our headache? Take away. I mean, aren't we just prone to do I'm just trying to be real. Aren't we prone to do that? Oh, I'm not feeling good. I'll call a doctor first before I ask God. You know? Just encourage you guys. Go to him constantly. We need him. He's the bread of life. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We'll close in prayer. Well, Father, once again, we are so thankful for your word. God, it does stir us up. It gets us thinking. It gets our minds set on things above, which we are thankful for. And I do want to pray for all here this morning that you'd help us to fix our eyes upon you, Jesus. For you're it. You're the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, you are our treasure. You are what we need. I pray that you would please for all of us, just stir up a new hunger like we've never had before, that we could say that we're in that sweet season of seeking you, Lord, and in so doing that, we would find you in new ways. You are so big and so awesome. You're a giver by nature. You so love this world that you gave your only begotten Son. We thank you for that. We thank you for every spiritual blessing that you have for us. We thank you for the promises that we read about there in First Peter this morning. You have given us much. Let us not take it for granted. Let us keep seeking you well. Seek you first above all things. Help us as a church family to really stir each other up to do it. Lord, maybe it's just bumping each other in encouragement this week, an email, a text, whatever. Just reminding each other of your goodness. We do thank you, Father, for our fellowship here. Thank you for your word this morning. We do want to pray, Father, for all that have come. Lord, that you would... Just be with them. 
There are many that are hurting and going through it. We know that you can heal. We would ask for healing. We would ask for your presence, Lord, to be in our lives as we go forth this week into whatever is going on. There's always so much stuff. And we want you to be a part of it, to be with us in all those things. Thank you for loving us. I'm praying your name. Amen.